Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I am here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thank you for tuning in to our third episode on May 26, 2020. We will be talking about the beautiful and colorful prayer plant. If you want to see more from Houseplant Homebody, you can find me at Houseplant Homebody on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube. Or visit my website where you can find all of those links at www.houseplant-homebody.com. Also, join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts and YouTube episodes, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Let's dive in! The prayer plant is one of my favorites because of the brilliant colors and patterns that they have on the leaves. They are very hardy and very easy to take care of as a houseplant, at least in my experience. There aren't a ton of different varieties, so it makes it an easy houseplant to find at almost any garden center, nursery, or greenhouse. Prayer plant is just the common name. The Latin name is Maranta Luconura. It comes from the Marantaceae family, which is also part of the ginger order. And the ginger order's Latin name is called Zingerborellus. In that order, it also consists of other plants such as canna lily, heliconia, which is also called lobster claws, bird of paradise, musa banana, and edible ginger. So the common cultivars that were produced for the prayer plant are called the red prayer plant. The Latin name is either fascinator or erythroneura. There is the green prayer plant, which is also called kerchoviana. And the last one is silver prayer plant, which is called Massengiana. Now, I do not claim to be an expert whatsoever, so I could have butchered all of those names and had no idea, but I promise I looked up the pronunciations and I hope I did a good job for those of you who know how to pronounce them and are critiquing me right now. <laughs> so obviously there is a few differences between those three different kinds of cultivars. The differences are that the red prayer plant has bright red veins and the underside of the leaves are a little bit darker purple. The green prayer plant has square brown or green marks throughout the plant and in between the veins. The silver one has a silver or gray kind of stripe down the middle of the leaves. Okay, so another piece of information that you may want to know is where these guys come from. They originate in South America, and I also found in a book I had, they said they were from Brazil specifically. So now let's talk about this plant briefly as a landscape plant growing outside. The prayer plant or the maranta can survive in hardiness zones outside from 10 to 12. It's considered an evergreen perennial because it does not die back through different seasons. And especially in zones 10 to 12, there really is no major change in a cold season, so that would be why it's considered the evergreen perennial. In those zones 10 to 12, they grow as a ground cover and spread through rhizomes, similar to how iris spreads here. They like to be put in shady areas with moist soil. They have zero tolerance for frost, and they do not like to be below 60 degrees Fahrenheit. They do bloom. Some have small white tubular flowers and some have purple tubular flowers. They're really small and really cute. So that's the basic landscape plant information. They seem pretty easy to take care of. Granted, I've never lived in zone 10 to 12, so I don't have experience with them as a landscape plant, but it seems pretty straightforward. Almost similar to like a vinca or a pachysandra around here. So now let's talk about growing them as a houseplant. 
a house plant, the prayer plant does bloom. It blooms rarely, but it can depending on the environment you have it. They prefer high humidity, so if you're misting it almost on a daily basis, that will really help produce those tiny white or purple tubular flowers. At the garden center I worked at, we were able to produce those flowers, leaving the houseplants in the greenhouse where it was really warm and humid. In regards to sunlight requirements for the prayer plant, it's pretty tolerant of a lot of different lighting situations. So just like in nature, they like a shady area. It's the same for the house. So if you have it in a north or east window or just off of a north or east window, they can survive in that. They can also survive in just plain office lighting. So if you want a plant at your desk that doesn't require a lot of light, this could be one of them for you. Currently, I have them off of a north window, about five feet from it. I've had one for probably about three or so years. The other one I just got probably about six months ago. I successfully propagated leaves off of the one I've had for a few years, and I have one of those probably, I'd say it's about 10 feet from the north window. It's a smaller plant, and all of them are doing great. They're producing new leaves and surviving well. The one I've had for about three years has struggled a bit over time. I had it in a dark corner off of an east window a couple years ago, and it wasn't doing so great. I also planted it in a larger pot, which I probably shouldn't have done because most of the tropicals, in my experience, like to be in a little bit smaller pot. They don't like a ton of room to kind of stretch out and they lost a lot of leaves because of that. Also the tips of my plant are browning a bit simply because I didn't realize until I did more research on them recently that they prefer more high humidity. So I've been misting it practically every day and it's actually doing a lot better. It's producing new leaves and it just looks a lot happier and it's becoming a lot fuller because of all those new leaves too. So now let's move on to talk about watering, fertilizing, and potential problems that these plants have. Okay, so in regards to watering, these plants do not like it to be dry. So don't allow the soil to completely dry out between waterings. You want to keep the soil moist but not waterlogged. These plants, as I said earlier, also thrive on a high humidity although that can just be accomplished in your own household by misting them consistently. In the Midwest, it's especially important through those dry winters to keep them misted and moist. Another thing I found out, which I definitely hadn't been following, but something I'm keeping in mind now, is these plants are very sensitive to chemicals and salts. So whenever you can use filtered water, that would be the best for this plant. Through my experience, obviously I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I worked with them in the greenhouse and it was really hot and humid. They loved it. They thrived. They bloomed. They did very well. In my own house, it's not very hot, obviously, and it's definitely not humid. So I've increased the amount of misting I give them. And since I've learned that they do not like dry soil, I've made sure to water them a little bit more frequently than my other houseplants that I've had. So kind of to summarize the watering, just make sure you're not letting them completely dry out in between waterings. Consistently mist them to help their humidity levels. And whenever you can use filter water, that's the best for them. The next topic we're going to talk about is fertilizing the prayer plants. So you actually don't need a lot of fertilizer for these. You can do it once or twice a year in the spring and summer. And the best thing I found, and honestly with all the other books and the websites that I found, using a slow-release fertilizer that lasts every five to six months is just all the plant needs. So 
I've talked about this in earlier videos, but I like to use Espoma. I've also used Schultz and Scott's products before. As long as it's just a slow release fertilizer, that's all you need. Now, don't get me wrong, you're welcome to use just a regular houseplant fertilizer as well. But for me, if I can do less with the same results, why wouldn't you? So just putting that slow release fertilizer in early spring around February, March, then again applying it in about five months later, that will do it. Okay, so potential problems that prayer plants could have are a few different things. So they're not really prone to pests all that often. And I have actually never had a problem with them having any pests, which is surprising because most of the time I'm dealing with mealybugs and I have dealt with aphids and spider mites. But the only thing that could really happen is spider mites with these prayer plants, at least from what I've researched. And I've talked about them in previous episodes. If you have an infestation of them, there are things you can do. But one way to prevent them is keeping that humidity level a little bit higher by misting your plants on a regular basis. And by doing that, that will actually help prevent another problem that I'll be talking about next, which is that the prayer plant leaves do like to brown a bit faster than some other plants. The reason that happens is because there's either a lack of enough humidity, there are salts and chemicals that are coming from the water that are affecting the plant, or the plant is not staying moist enough. So those are the three potential problems of why your leaves might be browning on your prayer plant. The ways to prevent that are misting it, which could increase the humidity, using filtered water, which could prevent the salt and chemicals from your tap water, and just making sure that the plant is consistently moist and not drying out between waterings. Okay, so that's the information about the potential problems your prayer plant might have and how to solve them, fertilizing needs, and watering needs. Now let's talk about propagation and some other facts about the prayer plants. Alright, so let's talk about propagation. I have been very successful with this and it was super easy to do, so anyone can do this. You just need a glass of water. Or there are some rooting stations you can buy online. You just look up propagation stations or rooting stations and it's basically just a little vase. I've seen them on Amazon. We sold them at the garden center that I worked at. I've seen them at a ton of different garden centers and nurseries. Boutique shops usually have them. Even if you have a small vase, that works too. Usually buying one that's see-through or glass or something like that is preferable because then you can kind of see the progress that's happening. So to propagate the plant, you just fill your vase or your propagation station with a little bit of water and you cut part of the plant off. Now, where do you cut it? You cut it just below a leaf node, which is where there are usually some leaves sticking out just above that and it's the thicker part of the branch right below the leaves. I will show you in a YouTube video when we talk about prayer plants a little bit later, just so you know exactly where it is that you wanna be cutting it. After you cut it, you can stick it directly in your vase or your station and just leave it there until you start seeing roots form. It took me probably, I think it took me just like just a few days before I started seeing little tiny roots forming and I actually replanted it in soil about three weeks later. So that was great and it's doing fine. And I actually have two of them that I've successfully done that with. So very, very easy to propagate. 
I also read somewhere, not necessarily propagation, but just something to keep in mind, that you could cut these plants in half if it becomes too large. Kind of like dividing a hosta or a peony here. You just cut it right down the middle in early spring, and then you can split it and form two plants. Now, it does warn that if you do decide to do that, it can take weeks to recover. So make sure you're giving it the love it needs. I would even make sure you're fertilizing it, misting it, and watering it properly. I mean, you'd be doing that anyways, but you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, let's go over some of the other facts that I wasn't able to talk about earlier. Number one, the prayer plant and the calathea are often mixed up. So prayer plant, which is maranta, so maranta and calathea are very, very similar in how they look. To the point that I actually was researching online and a website that was talking about the prayer plant had a picture of calathea. Yikes. Anyway, they're both part of the Marantaceae family, but they do have some characteristic differences. It's mostly how they look. So some people call the Calathea plants prayer plants, but that's not true. It's only the Maranta that is a prayer plant. Another thing I was going to mention is that you're probably wondering why it's called the prayer plant, and that is because the leaves fold in response to darkness. You'll see a lot of times on social media, plant accounts or people that have plant blogs will do a time-lapse video of the prayer plant through the day and what happens at night. It's very, very cool. These plants are pet friendly, which is great for anyone that has a pet that likes to mess with your house plants. They are slow growing. Whether they're indoors, outdoors, they are very slow growing. They do not like to be in cold weather. Like I said earlier, they don't like to be below 60 degrees Fahrenheit. So keep them away from drafty windows and doors, especially if you're in the Midwest or somewhere that does get super cold in winter. You can use any good potting soil. The plant likes well aerated soil, so it's important to actually keep repotting it every year just to keep the roots happy. You can either repot it or you can just simply add new soil to your existing pot. There are major benefits to also trimming back this plant. It actually promotes new growth. So if you see some branches that are getting kind of leggy, kind of falling over, trim them back and you'll probably get a few new leaves right off of the end of that. And as I said earlier, they love high humidity levels, but they can survive in dry conditions. Another way to increase the humidity is actually planting it in a shallow planter and add some plant companions around your prayer plant to increase the humidity in the area, which could also benefit those other plants. So let's recap everything that we talked about. You want to make sure you don't underwater these plants because it can cause the tips of the leaves to brown. Humidity is important with prayer plants. Mist consistently, you can plant it in a shallow pot, and you can add more plant friends surrounding your prayer plant to increase that area's humidity. Use filtered water when you can because that could have some definite benefits to your prayer plant. You can fertilize and all you need to use is a slow release fertilizer in spring and again later in summer. Propagation is simple, just cut below the leaf node and stick in some water. Thank you for listening to episode number three of Houseplant Homebody, all about prayer plants. And this is just a reminder that you can find more at Houseplant Homebody on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube, or visit my website where you can find all of those links at www.houseplant-homebody.com. 
And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts and YouTube episodes, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means the world, and I can't wait to bring you guys more and more plant bios and info. Don't forget to check back every Tuesday for new podcasts and YouTube episodes. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time.